0: this is a crowd podcast this episode is sponsored by dave the viking darking to be more like dave go to patreon.com forward slash joe show and become an official sponsor today who are you what do you do we currently don't have a
2: clue but give us 40 minutes of your time and we'll get along just fine on the Joe Marler Show
0: It's the Joe Marler Show Hello, I'm Joe Marler This is Tom Fordyce and you are more than welcome to our show
2: Yeah, you most certainly are, Joe um, Before we get started today slight change of approach to today's show Steve and I decided to that rather than staying in a hotel last night in London before we recorded the show, that we'd try an Airbnb. Why? Partly because we're friends, we thought it'd be nice, and then we thought actually hotels are unbelievably expensive. We might save a little bit of money and have some nice facilities. A couple of issues. First one, the Airbnb apartment was on the noisiest road in the whole of London.
0: Is that the truth or is that an exaggeration?
2: I think that's a fact.
0: Oh, Okay.
2: Steve disputed it when I phoned him telling tell him we were getting no sleep. Bigger issue, let's say, have you done Airbnb
0: before? Yeah, uh, did Peter Andre's agent's house in Horsham. Did you? Yeah, lovely that. Nice pool, beds were lovely, no roads in sight, a couple of cows, they mooed every so often.
2: Sounds yeah. like a very different vibe to the place Steve and I experienced last night. Did you, when you went into the kitchen, was there anything at all that you could use in the kitchen cupboards. For example, some tea bags, some coffee, maybe a small
0: amount of milk in the fridge. Yeah, there was. There was the, what were they called? Supplementaries. Suppositories. Suppositories. (laughs) Suppositories. What are they called? The supplements. What are they called when you get like little... Uh, Complimentaries. Complimentaries. There you go. I presume you didn't have any then, by the sounds of it. No tea bags, Joe. Oh. No
2: coffee. Beyond that, the fridge was completely empty. Not even a small amount of milk... Then Steve got quite excited about watching Netflix, picked up the remote control. No batteries in the remote
0: control. It had no batteries? No batteries. Bring your own batteries. Please tell me you're leaving like a one star. I'm going to leave that to Steve.
3: Um, batteries was a
0: shame, but our
3: hotel manager did warn us of this in our hotel manager episode. In fact, remember. he did say the most stolen thing from any hotel is the batteries. Yeah, so we, sh- we should have seen that coming. You should have,
0: but he didn't say Airbnbs.
3: No, he didn't. On the noise front, I slept like a baby. So I think it is subjective.
0: So, be more specific. Was it like my baby? Because (laughs) my baby was up for fucking four hours last night, mate. So when they say sleep like a baby, that's a shit analogy.
3: Okay. I slept like a sleeping baby. Nice. Um, Or any other sleeping human. And because it was the middle of the night, the road was quieter than Tom is describing. It wasn't ideal location wise. We had a view of the London Eye. Oh, and Buckingham no. Palace, roughly. If, if you went to the kitchen and you squinted, you could just see a very small, sort of lit corner of what may have been the London Eye. I've never had a view of the London Eye from a hotel room before, so I was I was happy with that.
0: Okay. Will Will you be re-attending the
3: Airbnb? No. Oh, but that's because it's not ideal. Yeah, you know, we'll keep looking for a better option.
0: Sorry. Is this some sort of weird secret <laughs> um, ploy from you two coming all the day all the way down from Manchester to then? Why don't we get some of the listeners to put you up for the night? Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) If if you're listening to this and you fancy putting up Tom and Steve for a night, then uh, please get in touch and I will will reward you with a fabulous pair of Joe Marler Show socks. That is tremendous, Joe,
2: because whenever we buy a pair of socks, Stand For Socks will give another pair, super warm, antibacterial, to someone who really needs them.
0: This is the bit where you usually do the subscription stuff. Go on.
2: Okay, Joe, if you would like to support the show, you can now subscribe on Apple, Spotify and Patreon for just a pound a week. You can get bonus content, you can get ad free episodes and you will be growing the show at the same time.
0: Shall we get a guest on now? Our guest today is Lydia, who is a research data scientist at the Alan Turing Institute. Hello, Lydia. Hello. Joe, I'm a bit scared. So am I. Is the robot going to take over and kill us? <laughs> oh, is that what you're scared about? Yeah. I was just scared about someone who's definitely way more intelligent <laughs> than both of us. <laughs> Are I you thought. a robot, Lydia?
1: Uh, well, how would you know? I mean... Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> what a start. Right. Artificial. If I break it down. Okay. Artificial. So it's like fake. Because mm-hmm. I think of fake grass. And intelligence. Mm-hmm. Fake you're, hang on. Technically, you're artificial intelligence. Why? Because you're fake smart. Why am I fake smart? Because <laughs> you're like, I know deep down you're. I <laughs> <laughs> know anything about anything. <laughs> on that, this level, like you're really, you're on it. You're really successful in all your careers. But you know the truth. <laughs> I know the truth. Sorry. No, Lydia, what yeah. is artificial intelligence?
1: Well, it's such a difficult question because what is intelligence? That's also a really difficult question. Subjective,
0: is it? Yeah, it okay. is.
1: I mean, I so I trained as a biologist and we think about this all the time. Like, what is intelligence? How do you know if an animal is intelligent or not? Uh, or a plant even? I mean, plants can find the light. Is that intelligent? Uh, artificial intelligence tends to get defined as anything a computer can do that seems intelligent or is intelligent. So that's anything from being able to... Print out some words for you on a screen, all the way to some of the more difficult, advanced AI that we see at the moment.
0: I don't think I've ever thought about it, but a printer is really clever. It
1: is because
0: I've always it's taken writing it for granted. It, you, for you just go <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes go, and then that, and it goes. <laughs> That is a form of robot, isn't it? Yeah, it is.
1: It's producing something uh, for you that is a lot faster than you having to do it. So that's a form of technology. But it's intelligent, isn't it? Because it can talk to the computer and find out what you want to write down, and then it does it for you. So the kind of the line between what is artificial intelligence and what is not can get a bit blurry.
0: I've got a lot of questions here, Joe. Right, yeah, but I think we should start at the start. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Which is... Mm How did you get into AI? How
1: did I get into it? Yeah, how did you get into
0: it? So, you said you studied biology. Yeah. Was like, well, but then what made you go, fuck this, I'm going robots.
1: <laughs> so I started off in zoology um, and I worked with bees for a long time. And I was working with this question of, of intelligence and learning in bees. So we used to teach the bees to, to perform tasks and then work out how good they are at it and how they learn over time.
2: What sort of tasks?
1: Uh, Telling the difference between two different flowers, so fake flowers. So we could get them to tell the difference between different coloured flowers, for example, or flowers that have got different shapes on them, or shiny and not shiny, that kind of thing. And they're really good at the task. I mean, they're absolutely brilliant. They're learning machines, bees. Aren't they? Yeah.
0: They do a funny dance as well. Yeah,
1: they do. Yeah, they teach each other where flowers are. Where What do you mean? Are. Funny
0: dance? It's
1: called the waggle dance. Do
0: you want to give me a little example, Tom? Of what? You see, <laughs> you've come out
2: with that. Like, <laughs> right, Lily, I'm about to embarrass myself here, but I believe Joe, probably incorrectly, that they tap certain limbs to signal to the other bees where the pollen might be.
0: So the bullshit were true? <laughs> please, please, <laughs> much, don't pretty much,
1: let... <gasps> pretty much. So they, they go home to their mates, and uh, they're all girls, and they, they go on the wall. Hang
0: on, all bees are girls?
1: Well, the bees you see out and about, they tend to be girls. Because all the ones doing the hard work, they're all girls.
0: Mm, well played. <laughs> where, are the, where are the males in they're the They're
1: all realistic? sitting in the hive, just eating and doing nothing. Lazy fuckers.
3: Hypocrites. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they're a lot smaller as well. And if they ever escape, the girls bring them back again. They're not going anywhere. Oh. Um, so. But yeah, once a year they'll go out and mate, but then they die afterwards. So male bees don't have a good life. Well, so you, it's quite a good life.
0: So you were teaching these bees yep, teaching how them. to go to different flowers
1: so they they learn the difference we give them rewards and then there's water in the other one and then they learn the difference and you see how good they get over time so you're watching them learn and that got me interested in how computers do this right so I ended up working with lasers uh, looking at insects right hang on
0: lasers looking Mm -hmm. at insects yep I need more Lasers Mm -hmm. looking at insects.
1: So a laser can be used for different things. One of the things it can be used for is looking for vibrations, so things that move up and down really, really fast on like a nanoscale. So the light that bounces back can tell you how much something's vibrating. And lots of the way things on insects work, work by vibration. So you can use lasers to look at them and tell how something's uh, working, basically. So I was looking at ears on insects using lasers.
0: <laughs> I didn't even know insects had it. <laughs> yeah, That's they've got like, amazing ears. Literally just pictured a <laughs> Picture. set of ears and a bee. The bee just came around. <laughs> <laughs> Why immediately have, a, why have I got this picture of a bee and his ears are fucking Gary Lineker's? <laughs> just, that's, they obviously don't have ears like ours, do they?
1: I mean, they have them uh, sort of vibration sensors. So they have them on their antennae, for example. So some, some insects have them on their bodies, some have them on their heads. So there is ears all over the place and in the insect world. So um, they're quite fun to look at. Um cricket
2: have them on their legs or something?
1: Yeah, crickets have got them on the side of their body mm. and then they make noises with their legs. Exactly.
0: Is that your cricket? How would you do a cricket? <laughs> oh, that was <must> <laughs> Oh, fuck, what was I thinking of? Dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended
1: up, yeah, in physics for quite a bit, looking at animals and technology and using more technology to, to ask biology questions. And for that, you need kind of computer code, looking at how programming works and similar. And that's, this is becoming really, really important for science research. So more and more people, are, even in the jungle, are starting to use really advanced methods.
2: Joe, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I... Me and technology, I fear it sometimes because I don't know what it's doing. Mm. Other times, Lydia, I think it's going to make me redundant. Mm. And there's something my laptop has started doing recently where it is giving, as I'm typing away, I'm writing something, it is giving me an option for the next word before yeah. I've typed it. And initially I was like, yeah, whatever, computer. It's fucking good, though. Yeah, the number is. of times. So now, Joe, this is freaking me out because I'm thinking, this computer is
0: better than me at what I'm doing. Is that what's happening on my phone? Your phone will do it as well, yeah. So, when I'm texting, it will give me like a selection of three words yep. that they think it's going to be so that I can just click on that one. So, that's AI. There's an AI in my phone. Kind of, yeah. Right. Uh, go with Tom's. <laughs> it's p- sort of. Are we going to get
1: thing. replaced by AI? Is that what you mean?
2: I thought there'd be lots of things that would be replaced, mm. like all the mechanical mm. things. So, obviously, dishwasher being a classic example. I found it slightly chastening that creative writing could mm-hmm. be done better by a robot slash AI than my brain.
1: Yeah, so there's there's two really cool um, AIs that have come out really recently. One's called GPT-3, and that um, can write really well. So you can give it a prompt, say, tell me a story about bears, and it'll write a full story for you. What? Um, and it's quite creepy. Like, you can look these up. They're, they're really good now. And and what they've done is they have fed this machine all of the human-written text that they can think of. Stop and, feeding and, it. And f- fed all of it, and it's learned how do How does language work? How do stories work? And then it can it can generate new ones for you. Um, and and there's another one that's called DALI, Dalle, D A L L E, and that creates images for you. So you can say, I want to see a tiger sipping martinis, and it will create images <laughs> for you. That's amazing. That's so you think Is this creativity? <laughs> Is this the machine creating things for us? Is this art? Are these are these stories it's writing now? So that.
0: G-T-P-3. G-P-T-3, yeah. G- but it fucking got that wrong straight away. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's, it's Excellent. hard to remember.
0: So that one, yeah. you've just said.
1: So that one's learning from you. So yeah. as you type oh, okay. on your phone. Oh, okay, so it's
0: based on what his previous results yeah, exactly. and stuff have been.
1: So if you're using Gmail, for for example, or another email service, they're kind of following what everyone's writing in their emails and so they can start to learn oh people tend to write thanks for your last email it sounded great and they can start to suggest that as, oh you're probably likely to start writing this kind of sentence gpt3 is a, like a huge version of that where they've fed it all of human text that they can get their hands on so it's a much bigger version it's not been rolled out completely yet because it's still quite massive and they are a little bit worried about the implications of what it could do because journalists could use it to write articles and similar that's not been fact-checked but it looks really real so they're a bit worried about it it <laughs> going rogue
0: what do you mean Gmail see everyone's
1: yeah so they learn from what you're writing in your Gmail for example um, so that's part of the privacy is that legal I mean you sign away your rights when you when, <laughs> when, when you sign you up to that? the service there's terms and conditions and they they say things like we want to be able to read what you're writing they a- anonymise it fuck
0: so... uh, hang on that was not put <laughs> that was not put in bold
1: no it was I mean this is why the EU gets upset with a lot of tech companies that are taking people's data because a lot of people don't realise that their data is being looked at and trained with. Um, and so there's, there's big implications for privacy and, and similar.
2: I'm going to start making a list, John, my piece of paper of items of technology I'm going to smash when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am
0: really nervous and scared now.
1: So there's there's definitely this idea now that data, so the kind of your use interface, what you're using with a computer, is now the new oil. So this is where all the money is coming from. How you use the world and and technology, and that's where people are making money from it. So there's lots of questions about who owns it and do you have rights to it? and Do you have the right to not be tracked and not be followed around on the internet? So this is one of the big problems. Do, that do we got. have
0: the right? Do not we at the have moment.
1: The right to not be tracked. Not at the moment. What? The EU is looking into it, and they're trying to put more regulations on Facebook, and Facebook have got very upset about it. For example.
0: So, so. the only way you can not be tracked is to not be on it.
1: Unfortunately, that doesn't really work either. Um. <laughs> oh,
0: fucking hell. We're screwed. This is what you in your fucking history on your, all right, laptop. So do you, remember,
1: do, you remember, <laughs> do you remember if you sign up to a website and it says, would you like to sign in using Facebook or Gmail or Google? Yep. That's one of the ways they can follow you, even if you're not on Facebook. So they can follow oh. you around the web, for example. Um, and if you don't sign up to those services at all, they can kind of infer that you exist. So your friends, for example, if they're communicating with each other and they see an unknown number that's coming in, so maybe you're not on Facebook, but someone's communicating with you externally, they can kind of tell, oh, there's a Joe-shaped person in the so- social circle, we kind of know oh, you exist. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's why this is one of the big concerns about how big companies are using data and, and following people around the internet. And, and this does have implications for even things like democracy. So a lot of targeted ads that are used by politicians and similar, some of those can get quite scary about, about what data is being used for those purposes. So where I work... We're like looking into the ethics of all of data science and, and AI and how privacy is is really important. So that this is something the people I work with.
0: They're very why weren't those ethics looked at before it was all rolled out? As to be like, yeah, just give us all your data.
1: Uh, I guess it's how the world works, right? It makes you money. So shoot
0: first, ask yeah. later. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to say mm. some everyday items. Yeah, and I need to know whether they are AI mm-hmm. or not. <laughs> <laughs> Toaster
1: depends on the toaster.
0: Okay, I've got a Breville uh, (laughs) hopper.
1: So one that you put a little timer on. Yeah, that does the time for you and then pops it up when it's done. So that's a kind of intelligence, isn't it? It knows when when it's done
0: based on the time. So that's a tick for me. Microwave.
1: Uh, Yeah, again, you can set it and it goes. But it's not feeding any information in, so it's not looking at your food, and going, yeah, I reckon. So that's it
0: can't bad. get more intelligent. No. It is what it is. It is what it is. But it's and not-
1: that's that's what most of our AI is like. It's got a singular purpose. It does the thing it's supposed to do, and that's that. That's basically how all AI works at the moment. Quad bike it's a machine right so yeah. the blurry line between what's intelligent or not i mean you give it a control and then it it acts on that on the engine so to an extent well, it's
0: it's not working at the minute cuz <laughs> I, I flooded it with petrol so the engine's a bit fucked so
1: but there's for example there's rice cookers that can kind of take in information about the steam levels and then change the the amount of heat that's going in so it's a, a feedback system so that's that's like an intelligent rice cooker they're quite cheap nowadays <sighs>
0: Fucking hell. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Alexa.
1: <gasps> yeah, that's a form of AI.
0: So the the first three, toaster, microwave, quad bike, added with the rice maker. Mm. I haven't got, but I'm interested in getting one now. <laughs> it might be really, really good, mate. So hard cooking rice. It is hard so cooking rice. Fucking hell. That's hell. why you
1: need a robot to help. So
0: hard. But they seem like normal kind of... your
1: Technology, s- in, the way we've been in using semi-control computers. of them. Exactly. Yeah,
0: they're, exactly. they're not going to jump out and be like, ah. <laughs> I've, I've, <laughs> what's the what's the pro- uh, Will Smith iRobot iRobot I robot,
1: the Terminator these are all examples of generalized artificial intelligence so these are uh, machines that theoretically exist that can learn about the world around them and understand it so they are machines that think so Alan Turing he invented the Turing test which is he had an idea that one day machines could think for themselves and so people are trying to work in generalized AI to try and produce a machine that can generally understand and, and act more like a person But at the moment, we're really far away from all of that. So even though Alexa or Siri can talk to you, they don't understand what what anything is. So they can talk to you and sound very uh, impressive, but there's no understanding. There's no thinking there.
2: Let's talk about Alexa Mm -hmm. because Murph, my partner, wanted to get an Alexa. Mm -hmm. And I said we shouldn't get an Alexa because everything that we said, Alexa would basically be listening to, even if Alexa wasn't listening to all our conversations. The fact that we'd be telling Alexa certain tunes to put on and stuff like mm-hmm. that would be used to sell us stuff we didn't want mm-hmm. in a planet that was already dying of overconsumption. And she got quite pissed off at me. Joe, you looked surprised. <laughs> was there any validity in anything I said to her, Lydia?
1: So, I mean, people are very nervous about these these kind of technology listening to us. And to an extent, we have to just trust the big companies that they're not when they say that they're not. But it depends on how paranoid you're feeling. Uh, one of the, I suppose, the ideas about how these these voice-activated technology work is that they're listening out for you to to use the keyword so alexa or siri or similar and then they turn on but that does mean they have to listen all the time so they are (gasps) technically listening but are they are they collecting info or not so at the moment the big the big tech companies say they're not but they are always listening or you know so
0: i I, I did i did something similar tom but i actually bought one (laughs) (laughs) so i had the conversation went nah fuck it." it you know
1: so Alexa and Siri and all the other voice-activated ones—they're getting smarter over time because they're learning from the way they get used in the home. So when you give it a command, that does help it get smarter over time. So all of this data from everybody's homes and everybody using it is helping the, the ultimate servers get better and, and the algorithms involved. So, yeah, how, do, is. how does it
0: work? How does how does Siri? On your mm-hmm. phone or voice recognition actually work, so it's always listening. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. It's it's always.
1: It's a microphone, and when it registers the keyword, then it starts recording, and then it transforms that into text. So your voice becomes readable text, and then that text is used to uh, figure out what what you're what you're talking about. So it might be that you're asking, for example, to play a certain song. So it'll use uh, voice recognition to to figure out what song you mean and then play it to you. So it's transforming your voice into text, and then using that to follow your command, as it were.
0: Hey Siri, can you play Paul Simon, please? Oh. <laughs> oh, fucking hell, Siri, I love you. She
1: <laughs> should probably say something back to that. That's sweet. There you go. That's sweet. She said that's
2: sweet. That's, that's sweet. Nice. <laughs>
1: Voice recognition has been a huge issue for computers to try and solve. It's taken a long, long time and lots of research. Because you imagine lots of different backgrounds, lots of different voices, accents, tone of voice. It's a really difficult problem to solve. And uh, the way it works is through deep learning, which is one of the, the main big advances in AI that's happened in the last Hang on, years. Hang on, I don't like that word. Deep learning? No, deep. Deep.
0: Deep fake yep, comes deep fake. to mind. Exactly. So deep learning. Mm-hmm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing?
1: (laughs) It's like saying, is a tool a good thing or a bad thing?
0: Just depends who's using it.
1: Exactly. Oh, okay. So AI started out, say, um, do you remember when AI first um, beat the chess master? Yeah. Um, So that was something called symbolic AI. So what they did was they taught the computer all of the different possible moves that chess can do, so all the rules. And then when it was playing against the chess master, the computer really, really quickly was figuring out all the possible moves that could come next in a second. So it was working out a million different possibilities and then figuring out what was the best way uh, to go forwards. But to do that kind of task, chess is really useful because the rules are really strict and you know exactly what's what. But when more general problems come out, like voice recognition or uh, how do humans speak to their phone... The rules are really fuzzy. You don't know all the possibilities that could happen. And so that kind of AI doesn't really work for for these kinds of problems. So a new AI came along, a different type, which is called deep learning. And that's kind of been a game changer and it's changed uh, a lot of our technology a lot already. And that works in a different way. Do you want me to explain how it works?
0: I would fucking love you to explain. <laughs> Clearly this, fa- this face <laughs> that I'm pulling... Has no idea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You give the computer examples of correct things. So, for example, have you ever tried to do a capture and it says, can you find all the traffic lights in the picture? Yeah, saying I'm not a robot. Exactly. So in that, you you as a human are saying, oh, here are the traffic lights. Click, 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 click. Now, what you're producing there is a data set of telling the computer what traffic lights look like in from different angles and different shots and similar. So you're actually creating a really useful data set. And that's used to train computers. So I've been tricked on that as well? Yeah. Fucking hell, Look at that. Go <on. laughs> So uh, you produce a big data set that shows you what traffic lights are. So you feed that to the computer and say, hi, computer, here are all the things that are traffic lights, and here are all the things that aren't traffic lights. Can you tell the difference? And what happens is um, you have what's called a neural net in the inside of the computer. So it's called a neural net because it works a little bit like how our brain works in a way so brain cells are connected to brain cells are connected to brain cells in a big web and it's similar in this machine so there's lots of different nodes that are connected together and what happens is they try and get better over time at being able to tell what's a traffic light from what's not a traffic light and so they tweak their their sort of their metrics they're trying to figure out what the rules are and then eventually they get really really good at it and incredibly good However, we often don't know what it's learning and what's going on under the surface. So we often aren't quite sure what it might be figuring out. That's why some people get a bit nervous because um, AI can be a little bit of a black box where we don't know what the rules are that it's learning. Does any of that make
0: sense? It makes sense, but it's really worrying. And in the same breath that you mentioned about these brain cells that we've got that Mm -hmm. connect, and you go, well, that's the same in the computer. And you go, (laughs) what do you mean that's the same in the computer? (laughs) <laughs> how have, how have you created that like for the religious listeners out there mm-hmm. you've done the same as what their god did it's but, just math yeah but f- that's phenomenal
1: it's pretty crazy and it's changed the world already so so much and it's really helpful as as a piece of technology because it means we can look at data that's incredibly complicated and that's really helpful for research for solving problems in healthcare problems that human beings just can't do but computers really can using these kinds of things
0: what sort of problem can a human not work out?
1: <laughs> that AI. That can. This
0: AI mm-hmm. can.
1: So um, we collect a lot of data now. So we produce more data in the last couple of years than the rest of human history.
0: That's that's big. Time. That face big time. is. Oh,
1: um, wow. Imagine looking at the, the world's biggest spreadsheet. You just get lost. You couldn't you couldn't understand it anymore. But we know that there's really important insights in a lot of this data. So it might be, for example, who might get dementia or who's got a cancer. And so if we use machines and set it loose on the giant, huge data sets that a human being can't look at with their eyeballs, it really narrows things down. We can really solve big problems that we couldn't do normally. So this is why it's so critical for science research um, and for applications in in loads of different fields. So I know AI is scary, but it is changing the world of medicine and research and everything. And that's how I I got into AI um, from a science point of view.
2: What, Joe? if we think the computers are doing that, but they're actually stitching us up? they do something else so
1: this does happen
0: (gasps) what (laughs) I I honestly I was so intrigued about where this episode was going to (laughs) go but I'm not intrigued anymore everything is fucked but it's so exciting as well I'm going to need a second to just take this all in and turn off all my (laughs) devices actually all the cameras can we get everything turned off and then after the ad after the ad break we'll turn it all back on i need a minute so let's have some ads
2: Joe, uh, we've got so many questions here. Do you know what I've been thinking of as Lydia's been talking about voice recognition? Have you seen that Alan Partridge thing where he's trying to speak to the Booker Cinema ticket down the phone line? Where he's sitting there and just going, Inception. <laughs> no. Inception. No.
1: That's something that's been such a difficult problem. It's taken us decades to be able to solve voice recognition. It's, it's a really difficult challenge. Um, I mean, if you think about how my voice is working right now, you can't tell where the spaces are. You can't tell where the sentences end or stop. All of the noises I'm making, they're just merging together. Like, how, how would you do that as a machine? It's really difficult.
0: So you're actually saying machines are thick as fuck? Yeah. Oh, so not as clever as that. So no, they're, they're there in the, up on their high horse. But they're not quite as clever as us yet.
1: Oh, no. Far from it. So I'll give you a really cool example. So you you were saying before about how maybe they're kidding us and they're not actually that clever. Yeah. And this does happen a lot. So there was a really nice example I saw where somebody tried to teach a computer what's the difference between dogs and wolves. So they would show them photographs of wolves and dogs, often huskies. So they look quite similar to wolves.
0: Stitch up. Yeah, but the the computer's not got eyes.
1: (laughs) So the the computer can look at the pixels on an image. uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not got eyes. It has got eyes. How's it, it can looking at this picture. It can. It can understand the data. So a pixel has got information numbers that are encoded in it that tell you the colours, the darkness, the lightness. And that's what the computer's seeing. Oh, it out. Yeah. So it sees... So you know the matrix with the binary code? Yeah. You know? so that's, that's how a computer sees things. Uh, oh, wow. Through, through, through that. Someone taught it the difference between, say, huskies and wolves by showing it lots of images that have been labelled. So someone had said, this is a wolf, this is a husky. And then it tested it. So they gave it new images that the computer had never seen before and says, is it a dog? Is it, is it a wolf? And the computer was really, really good. And then it started making quite stupid errors. And they were thinking, this is strange. This shouldn't be you know, making these kind of stupid mistakes. And so they they went into it a little bit further and tried to figure out what does the computer actually learn about these photographs? What's it using to tell the difference between dogs and wolves? And the computer wasn't looking at the dog at all. It was looking at the background, because if there's snow in the background, it tends to be a wolf. So it wasn't even looking at the right thing. And this is something that happens all the time. And so you have to be really careful about what your computer is actually learning. Because remember, it's really stupid. It doesn't know what, the meaning of these things are—it's just data. It's not. It doesn't mean it knows what a dog is or That's a wolf. That's
0: what you think. <laughs> but how?
1: Oh, it could be tricking. How this.
0: do we know mm. that they're not double bluffing the shit out of us and going, <laughs> "Oh, I need to get these ones wrong now, just to not let on that I am." Um, Running their worlds. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is. Is that possible? I mean, so people do talk about this from a kind of philosophy point of view. So if we do get generalized artificial intelligence, which we're very far from at the moment, you know how you're a lot smarter than, than a dog and you can easily yeah. trick a dog? <laughs> oh,
2: sorry, Joe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can easily trick a dog, right? You can pretend to throw a ball and the dog will run after it what if the computers end up being that much smarter than us and they could trick oh my us? God. Um, so this is what people are nervous about and there's a lot of philosophy around it. But that being said, we're very far from that and that's not how our AI works at the moment at all.
2: Joe, you'll be familiar with Terminator. the
1: Terminator, Terminator yeah.
0: Never seen it. Don't give me that.
1: It's a really great film.
0: You've never seen a Terminator? No.
1: Terminator 1 and 2, brilliant I've,
0: film. I used to play, uh, I think it was what Term- what's the one where he... He melts or he's like metal. He can change into metal. Yeah. That's Terminator 2. So I used to play Terminator 2 on the Sega. I've never watched it. Great, I've Tom. seen clips but I've never watched it. Lydia, so you'll have to lead on this please, Tom.
2: Can you describe, Lydia, what Skynet is on Terminator and why it is so terrifying?
1: Skynet is rogue AI, isn't it? So it's an AI that um, has learnt and can can teach itself and it understands the world and it's decided it wants to get rid of humans for whatever reason. So it's decided to go to war against people. So people talk about this kind of thing theoretically and what could happen if we produce something and what if it becomes um, beyond our control. Places like the future of humanity. Humanity Institute in Oxford. They they try and think about some of these. What would
0: work like working there,
1: Joe? <laughs> <laughs> humanity.
0: I'm going to apply soon. <laughs> we should.
1: They look at existential threats like this. So they, they consider super AI could be an existential threat to the human race, but it is all theoretical. So we'd have to see.
0: So you saying there is there is a possibility? Mm-hmm. I know it's all like hypothetical, mm-hmm. and at some point in the future, computers AI can get intelligent. Fucking dickhead I'm clearly going to be dead <laughs> <laughs> Or they might leave me spit. Let's leave him around As some sort He's of, no threat Yeah, fuck him <laughs> You're saying that At some point in the future <laughs> <laughs> Bring on the robots <laughs> Bring on the robot podcast hosts oh, I don't even want to finish the question now <laughs> Lydia Yes Will there be a robot uprising like there is in I Am Robot mm-hmm. that we get to the point where general AI mm-hmm. decides I'm going to fucking take over the world here because I am far more intelligent than the human beings that are inhabiting <laughs> <Is> that wrong? <laughs> <it>?
1: <laughs> Theoretically, yeah. I mean... Uh, why that it... not
0: ski? You say that so like... <laughs> Just laissez-faire, what's the word? Yeah, yeah laissez-faire. Nice. Was it? Yeah. Um, you say that so laissez-fairely.
1: Well, I think it could be a long, long time away. And, okay. and I work with computers and AI all the time, and it's honestly really stupid. You can't make very good jumps in conclusions. Uh, computers don't really understand the world, and this this happens all the time. I mean, the computers do what you say, not what you mean. And that's always a frustrating oh. um, problem that you get when you work with, with AI.
0: Um, So that's a no, not yet.
1: No, no, we're really far off anything like that. Yeah, but it could happen. We'd be
0: dead, Tom. Great. Don't worry. 100 years?
1: Some people think decades, some people think hundreds of years, but we don't really know. I mean, (laughs) something that could teach itself and get exponentially more intelligent would happen very quickly. So that's why people are nervous. So it could go from chicken intelligence... To chimp intelligence, to human intelligence in twelve seconds, for example. Twelve seconds? Theoretically, because of exponential growth and how that works. So this is something people write about and they worry about. And there are people who are AI ethicists that, that think about these kind of things. But it's it's very theoretical. Tom,
0: do you hoover in your house? Yes.
2: Do you? That's a lie. Murph will pull me up on yes,
0: that. Yeah, she will. Murph does the hoovering. Okay,
2: yeah, fine. She's bad, I
0: know. Have you ever thought about getting one of those robot hoovers? It's funny you should say this,
2: Joe, because last week when we were on holiday as a family, the garden at the little cottage where we were renting had one of the... The mowers. The mowers. And I've got to be honest, Lydia, I found it threatening. Threatening? Because it kept just moseying over when we were having a conversation. Like, <laughs> like it's not moseying just, over, it's cutting the grass for you. Yeah, but it just kept wandering over. i have wand- said it again. <laughs>
0: cutting, he mosey, wander, he's cutting the grass... It's cutting the grass for you.
2: (laughs) I found it menacing, the way it moved around, because it moved, clearly it has to move at a relatively slow pace Mm -hmm. to mow the lawn. But that added to its threatening nature. Mm, Also, the fact, weirdly, had it had eyes, I would have found that threatening.
1: Even googly eyes?
2: (laughs) That would have been bad. But then the fact it had no eyes also freaked me out Mm. because it was like a sightless listener.
1: So... We've got some quite cool examples of big warehouses that are full full of robots. Um, So I think, is it Ocado? They have almost a fully automated factory where they package everything up and it's all done by little robots on wheels that move things around. It's really exciting. It's very, uh, very cool. It's all fully automated. um, But the part where the object has to go in the bag, is still done by humans. So the robots bring things to the people, the people use their hands to put objects in the bags, and then it goes to the next stage by robot. So the bottleneck in this is the human hand, where well, we can't recreate that at all yet. We can't um, have action intelligence, so being able to deal with the real world and, and pick something up and not break it, that's really, really difficult for a robot. And self-driving cars is a huge issue, and trying to understand all the unknowns with that is is why there aren't really... Are there any self-driving cars now? Yep. Yeah.
0: That are legal to use?
1: Yeah, and there's several states where they're allowed to drive around. So yeah. in
0: America, not over here?
1: Um, I mean, they're also made here. I don't know if they're allowed on public roads, but in America they're allowed on general
0: roads. And have you, do you know any data? <coughs> Just stop there. Do you know any data? <laughs> do you know any data on whether it works or how many crashes there've been because of the driverless cars or... What's going on there?
1: One of the one of the things they're trying to do is gather more data to try and teach the cars to be able to deal with lots of situations. So most of the time, self-driving cars have a human being in there ready to take over when things go wrong. I don't know the statistics, but I know there have been accidents. Um, and I think there's also been fatalities as well. So this technology is not great. Because Still way is, off. Yeah, I mean, even if you solve 99% of problems, that 1% is incredibly deadly because you're working with a car that's got a lot of momentum, can really hurt somebody, and it's really dangerous. So the self-driving car has to be absolutely perfect before it can properly work
0: just back on that acardo warehouse yes. setup and how it's going to clearly be more efficient for mm. a machine to move around all these objects and, the, and then you need the human to actually put it out the yeah. bag and put it in the other bag yeah but does that essentially make the human redundant or, or not quite fully redundant yet, but it's to us a point, shittest job. Well, yeah, you just yeah. Got, well, you got to pick it out there, and then the the argument would be, well, I don't have to pay you as much now because you're doing half the job. Yeah, although it's an important job, mm-hmm. you're moving that from that bag into that bag, and you go, well. How's that fair on humans?
1: Yeah, I mean, automation um, is going to change the way that jobs work, I think. Um, And that has happened in human history a few times. So in the Industrial Revolution, 80% of people were farmers and now 4% of people are farmers. And so we've seen a huge change in human history. No,
0: no, no. Say that again. 80% 80% of people well, were I don't farmers, know that, well, or something some massive high like proportion. that. Yeah, because and back it in to like 4%.
1: Yeah. So in the industrial revolution people moved from the countrysides to the cities because farming jobs were becoming uh, automated using steam machines and similar. You didn't need people hand harvesting. But yeah, I think we'll have to see what happens over the next decade and and what kinds of jobs go away.
0: Surely you'll always need a human yeah. for for something. I think and also so. the you can't teach Oh, maybe you can. You can't teach AI or a computer spontaneity or creativity. Or Surely they're always going to be programmed from what someone's put into them.
1: I mean, that's the How do they part. develop
0: their own fucking well, pathways the... to go? Well, this is completely spontaneous <laughs> and something that I've come up with on my own.
1: So, deep learning is the computer teaching itself. So, that is quite spontaneous and it can be quite, quite new. I mean, it's still taking data in from the outside world. So, we have given it the sort of the setup, as it were. But the insights can be brand new, which is why it's really useful in science, for example, because you get to see connections that a human being didn't see before and the machine can see it for you. So, that is spontaneous and new and, and different. And that can be really helpful.
2: Does a computer know it's a computer?
1: No. Not yet. Could it? Potentially. But you'd need generalised AI for that. So that's where a computer can actually understand the world and understand what's what's there. I'll give you an example. So um, one of the Google <coughs> lots, they taught um, computers how to play Pong, you know, the game with the paddles. Atari. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it gets amazingly good. It can, you know, beat this game, get the top highest score ever by trial and error. So it learns over and over again how to get a really good score. If you then move that game a little bit, so shift all the pixels down, or maybe put it on a diagonal, or uh, maybe put it into 3D. If I got a child to do that, they'd understand. They'd be like, oh yeah, I know how to play this game because it's basically the same. There's still paddles, there's a ball. Computer won't understand. Even if you just moved it a a tiny bit, it doesn't understand. It does not understand the concept of what is happening. It just understands the world through ones and zeros and, and binary. So yeah, we don't have computers that have insight or conceptual thinking at the moment
0: so a computer can't love <laughs> can a computer love why are you looking at me look at Lydia she's the expert I'm scared of Lydia <laughs> <laughs> I'm not scary she, no, no you're not <laughs> can a computer love no it can't not it doesn't yet. know how to love
1: no we'd, we'd have to ask these questions when when we get you know more generalized AI when we, when we start seeing real you know, intelligence. Could it fake
2: love though? Could it understand enough to give you the indication that it loves you? What's
0: what's that that film with Joaquin Joaquin
2: That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. They give responses
0: like, oh.
2: With uh, Scarlett Johansson as the voice of his hard drive.
1: Also Ex Machina, that's another one that Mm. explores this question. Brilliant. I'm
0: so glad you've cleared that up for me because I'm pretty sure I used to call it Ex Machina. (laughs) So did I. And it's Ex Machina. (laughs)
1: It's a Greek term, but yeah, um, that these kind of questions are something that, that we've been thinking about for a long time. I mean, robots, uh, even the Terminator films, they they kind of question this as well. Like, can a Terminator become fond of humans and understand and similar? So, yeah, it's all the realm of philosophy. Right now, we've got computers that are really helpful for telling us about data and numbers and and giving us <coughs> insights about connections and things, but. Understanding human relationships—long, a long, long way off. I think. I, I think we're very far from. Fucking hell,
0: we're we're a long, long way off of understanding. <laughs> <Always> <laughs> That's ever. true. Jesus.
2: This episode is sponsored by the following magnificent people: Who cares? Wins. It's Sean Carey. You can call him Al twice. It's Al Allen. Dicky Johnson. John Dickinson. Stu Watson. All it's Neil Stewart. The mayor of where? It's Ken Mayer. Get off the fence, Tommy Pickett. How does it feel, Emily O'Neill, Matthias Alkane, Just James, Jimmy Dean, the Bounty Herner, Alistair Bounty, the Wily Old Fox, Dave Wiley, Tristan Hall, Ollie Soundy, and the Prince of Welsh, it's William Welsh. To be more like all of them, go to patreon.com forward slash show, become an official sponsor, and grow
0: the show today. When I go on my phone and I'm scanning through Instagram and then halfway through I get an advert for something that I was talking to my wife about, Mm -hmm. say suitcases, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: half hour ago Mm -hmm. my phone wasn't on, it Mm -hmm. wasn't like unlocked or anything, it was just there on the side. Is that because we've spoken about suitcases, it's heard me and then it's gone... Right, Joe's on his phone now, and at some point I'm going to chuck a fucking suitcase advert at him.
1: (laughs) So theoretically that could be the case. I think they'd get in trouble for doing that, so they probably don't work that way. I think what happens, which is honestly a bit more scary, is that they just know you really well. So one of the ways that these big ad companies work is they try to cluster people together. So they say, okay, the way you use the computer is very similar to this bunch of people who also use the computer. And these, these categories can be, you know really, really, really minor, like fine-tuned. It might be only 20 people that you're in the same cluster with. Um, And then it might be that the way that you were using a computer. So maybe you started looking up uh, maybe the rules of your work about, about when you can take leave. Or it might be that you... The way that you were using computer started to suggest you might be thinking about going on holiday or something. And so as a result, they've learned from other people that are very similar to you or that have been doing things in a very similar way to you that they end up buying suitcases pretty soon after that. And so that's how it works. It feels really uncanny because you're like, I just had that conversation. But really, probably... We're giving it more clues further back in time, probably. And there's also confirmation bias. So there might be loads of ads that you see all the time that are completely irrelevant. And then you see that and you go, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm not even going to remember that random ad I saw. But the one time you were talking about an ad and suddenly it's there, that's called confirmation bias.
0: Yeah, but and the way you've described it yeah. has then made me feel, I don't know about you, Tom, that I was scared of it. More scared. Or, or, <laughs> no, not more scared. The opposite now. that I'm like... But actually, it's really handy.
1: It is. And that's because why it's very popular. I do need
0: a suitcase. So thanks for sending me some deals or send me in a direction to prompt me to go, well, this is kind of what you've said you wanted. So why don't you go ahead and do it? Yeah. Which is sneaky, but also like, well, yeah, I need... I, yeah. I actually really appreciate it. Give me a prompt to, Definitely. to go and do it. And
1: people really enjoy getting very personalised um, experiences with, with their media and um, music tastes and similar. So, so these technologies are useful and they're quite cool a lot of the time. But... We always have to be careful and think about what are the repercussions of this. So I think AI ethics is something really interesting and something I've been working on quite a bit and thinking about in terms of privacy and, and who owns your data and similar. And Because one, one of the problems we get is that if you put biased data into your algorithm, you're going to get a biased answer. So, for example, if you put in data that comes from the real world and the real world is sexist and racist, the machine will end up sexist and racist as well. And so we already see this happening. So, um, for example, Google Translate got into trouble recently um, because people were typing from one language where there is no he or she at all in the language. They just use uh, completely neutral pronouns. Um, So if you type in that language, they shop, they cook, they clean... It translates it to she, even though in the original text there's nothing about being a woman. But because, unfortunately, the text has learnt from very biased data, it then gives you an answer that's very biased. So it was things like he leads, she cleans, um, and this kind of thing. Oh. So quite, quite problematic. I think we, we kind of imagine computers as being really objective, but it's only as objective as what's going into it, and that can be troubling.
2: This is freaking me out, Joe. Um, <laughs> do you use Google Maps, Joe, when you're driving about,
0: or do you use Waze? I use Waze. Because I don't know why. I use way- I quite like the little logo.
2: So yesterday I had to drive into Manchester and Google Maps showed me that my usual route in, there was going to be 12 minutes of delays. Mm-hmm. So it's gone red and it showed me an alternative route. Yeah. First of all, how does it know those are delays? Is that from other people's phones?
1: Yeah. So you can actually trick it by having a giant pile of phones. Someone actually did this. They put a big pile of phones in a wheelbarrow and pulled it down the street and then it would Say there's a traffic jam because the density of how many phones are in an area.
2: <laughs> so does that does that person have to be on Google Maps or is it just any phone? Um,
1: I think if it's connected to Google, then yeah, I think that tends to send Google information and then uh, that's used. But yeah, it's some it's some way of telling how where the phones are and then they can say, okay, there's a high density of phones around here. It probably means there's a lot of traffic.
2: Okay, so once it's done
1: that, <laughs> also, just... also the triangulation, right? So if someone's moving really slowly, that probably means there's, there's.
2: How does it know they're not walking?
1: I mean, if you're suddenly going 50 miles an hour and then 10 miles, that's an hour, a fair point. It could be that you're, you're in a traffic jam. So I guess it's using lots of different types of, yeah, okay. guesses.
0: What the fuck is the metaverse? <laughs> the only thing I can think of the metaverse being is like The Sims. You know, like that old game where you're just mm. controlling people in a house and you go, oh, that's it. but that's all I can picture is Mark Zuckerberg turning into a giant human sim. Is that the metaverse? What is it?
1: Um, So metaverse, so I think now Facebook is now called Meta. I think that's been their rebrand. And they want to produce a world that's virtual reality that you can go and shop in and interact with. It's just a a new way of using the internet, I think. But I'm not sure it's particularly interesting.
0: Uh, Oh. That's a relief to me. That's a massive relief to me as well. I thought that's the way the world's going. Let's all get on the metaverse. (laughs) Do
2: you think about what it'll mean for your kids? Because that's my... This, again, is me being a Luddite, Lydia, but I've got mm. this doomsday scenario where at some point in the future I go downstairs and my kids are all wearing VR headsets and they're bobbing around in this world that doesn't actually exist in my head. And they're buying things that only exist in that world. So they're buying trainers that they only wear in the VR world.
1: Well, we're already in that, right? I mean, people buy skins for their games. We also interact in a place that doesn't exist, like our WhatsApp groups or um, messaging groups. That's a lot of people gathered in one place and they can all see what's going on, even though we're physically very far apart from each other. It's been really helpful in lockdown. So yeah, being able to connect with people in a place that doesn't exist is something
0: we've been doing for a, quite a while now. You break it down, it's actually really good. It's it's just dependent on how you use yeah, the AI. Definitely. It depends on how you're using the technology. So you go, there's that classic picture you can see where everyone on the tube is on their phone or thing. But then 50 years ago, everyone on the tube was just in a paper. Yeah. So it's the same. Yeah. Jasper on his Nintendo Switch is actually in learning a huge amount as an eight-year-old going hand-eye coordination with, with his fingers and thumbs. He's learning about all the technology yeah. that's on there. We're much more he's developing more. in a different way.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think
0: the issue is if they're spending 12 hours a day on it.
1: When books became... Commercially available because of automation. So, being able to do the printing press, there was a huge moral panic about it, being like youth are today, they're just going to be reading all the time. and then you're going to, <laughs> genuinely, it's, genuinely, genuinely. It's genuinely. funny when you say and, it. And, and youths are not going to be in, engaging with the world, they're just going to be in fantasy land and it's not real. Um, and yet, all the amazing things that the written text has, has brought humanity really You're brought. told
0: all the time now, read yeah. seven books a week. Yeah. Well, but back you, in the day, seven a week. Yeah. <laughs> Who says that? Oh, well, that? You're told all the time now, yeah. oh, like, read a book a week. Even the book a quite a lot. <laughs> but then You're this told goes all back. the time now to just read loads. And
1: this goes back <laughs> even further. So I think it was Socrates was really upset about people writing things down um, because back in at those times, it was how much you could memorise that was was really important that made you an intellectual. So the fact that you could write things down was because it cheating. And he said it was going to destroy our brains. We're going to waste away our brains because people aren't remembering stuff and youth of today aren't remembering things. So yeah, we have this moral panic all the time, all the way through history. That being said, I mean, the ethical considerations are really important about what these things get used for things can be used for good or, or ill so um,
0: how do we actually know that the depths of google yeah aren't actually developing loads of fucking weird creepy shit how is anyone out there actually holding them to account i see clips on <laughs> on instagram or facebook or any social media where they're interviewing people from ceo from google mm-hmm. or such and such and asking questions and they mock it up as if to be like you're asking a really stupid question, but is anyone actually holding them to account?
1: Yeah, so I started out as a scientist, and this is a big problem in science as well, about who's doing research, and is it open for everyone to see? So it could be that some pharmaceutical company does research on some drug, and they find out something really important, and then they never tell anyone, and that's really bad in, in science research. The Turing Institute really feels strongly about this kind of thing, about making sure that AI is open and available for other people to, to scrutinize and check that it's all above, above water. But we don't know, we don't know what Google are doing. Um, with their research a lot of the time. They tell us some things, but who knows?
0: Alan Turing. Yes. Who is he?
1: So he was the first, uh, he's the kind of, The grandfather of computers. So he produced the first uh, exciting computer that was used in World War II for cracking the Enigma code. So the Enigma code was a way that um, people on both sides were using to write encrypted messages and send them over radios to each other. So we could actually hear what uh, the Nazis were saying to each other over the radio. We couldn't tell what it was because it was all encrypted. So they were using a machine that would turn text into a different type of text that couldn't be solved. And you can only solve it if you have the the encryption machine, which is the Enigma, and the, the cipher, which tells you how to transform it. So it's the kind of encryption you can do with a book, people, people do that as a hobby. And Alan Turing was part of a group of people in, in the UK who uh, helped invent a way of cracking it. And he did crack the Enigma code. And so it, it changed the way that World War II went in the end because they were, we were able to intercept messages between, between different armed forces. He then continued into research. So after the war, he carried on with computer science and he talked a lot about uh, machines that can think, things that we've been talking about. How would we know if it could think? What would be some of the signs that a machine was intelligent? Uh, And he created something called the Turing test, which is where you can try and test whether a computer is intelligent by getting it to talk to somebody. And if the person is fooled, then that means that it's intelligent. So that's still a test you you can apply today. Nothing's really passed it properly yet. It can pass it if you only talk for a very short amount of time. But yeah. Unfortunately, he was uh, wrongfully convicted for homosexuality. So he fuck off. Yeah. So the, the he was arrested, and he opted for um, chemical castration, which was one of the options given to him, other than prison. And unfortunately, that led to him committing suicide because of this, the the effects of the yeah, the punishment. This he died uh, really young, which is really really awful. And the UK government has now apologized. Um, oh, well, after thanks. That. after how many years? They so only did it a few years ago. So that yeah, is it's, fucking. Bonkers. He died really early, and that's really like he should have lived all the way into the computer age really and he would have seen yeah he should have lived a lot longer and it was really awful so
0: I mean that just like starts a whole other fire in terms of what was going on in those days how can that possibly in fact lose anyone you know from the world for who they want to love yeah and who they want to be but someone clearly one of the greatest minds that there was knocking about at the time yeah Brilliant! Cheers. Thanks for that, fucking homophobes. I would mm-hmm. like to ask
2: before we finish about house robots. Okay. Can we have? Will I've, hang it, will on. It, I've already cleared them. Toaster. Yeah. Microwave. <laughs>
1: and people can buy Pod smart white. versions of those. Yeah.
2: So are those? You know, when the people talk about the Internet of Things, mm. I don't understand what that means.
0: What's the Internet of Things? So your fridge. you just trying to explain f- it. <laughs> 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 Sorry, but I went, do you mean the Internet?
1: No, no. You internet. really are
0: a luddite. <laughs>
1: No, Internet of Things is a term. Uh, it's basically putting more sensors in your home. So your fridge being connected to the Internet. And then it could learn what you're doing to your fridge. So it might learn that your milk's bought on a Tuesday and it can like, alert you. Oh, by the way, you forgot to buy milk or something. So it's, it's bringing the Internet into the real world. So not just on the computer, but on your devices in your home and similar. So people have the, the ring doorbells, don't they?
0: I've just got one. I get a hundred notifications a day. <laughs> a little fly, if a fly goes by. Yeah, it yeah. <laughs> off, I'm like, oh.
1: So that's a doorbell that's connected to the internet and is able to send things to your smartphone. So that's an internet of things because it physically exists in the world and yet yeah, it's connected to the internet. So okay. that's, that's a growing thing.
2: Have you got a video on yours? Does it show you who's outside the front door? Yeah. Where is the video going or ending up?
0: What do you mean? It's on my phone.
2: Yeah, but does anyone else get to see it? Is it like accidental CCTV?
0: What's accidental CCTV?
1: Whoever your provider might be looking at your videos as well.
2: And um, they might know where all these people are oh, in the world.
0: Uh, who's there now?
1: Well, hopefully it's encrypted, which means only you can see it. So that would be good. So, yeah, but people could hack it potentially. Um, <laughs> Fucking hell, what are you doing?
0: I put head. that up to
1: make my house safer. You've
0: now told me that it's making it worse.
1: Well, you don't know. and I, I think these things are encrypted quite well, so I'm okay, sure it's you. totally fine. Yep, yep. And encryption is really, really good way of making sure that no one's reading your messages and, and similar. So... I don't know about Gmail, but other, other messages, like uh, WhatsApp, WhatsApp and similar, that, they that? say Doubling that they're encrypted. encrypted. Exactly. What? But I think Gmail isn't, for example. So some some aren't end-to-end encrypted. And yeah, so you can look that up and see what kind of services you're using and similar. It's interesting, though, because, you know, 30 years ago, the idea that you could look at anybody's house from the outside was terrifying. And now we can do that all the time with Google Street View. So we do upgrade or update how we feel about privacy and What's OK and what's not OK. So now, I, you know, you can walk along the street virtually and look at all the different houses. And that was quite a scary idea not that long ago. So maybe we'll feel the same way about, you know, cameras in our homes maybe or who knows.
0: What is the Turing?
1: That'll be the Institute. So we're in the British Library and we're a collection of people who've come from all sorts of different science backgrounds, research backgrounds, uh, startup companies, computer scientists, all sorts. And we all work on problems that use AI uh, for good. So we try to do research in the real world that's helpful to people, that's um, going out there and, and helping solve problems. So one of the things we work on, for example, there's an underground farm in uh, Clapham, I think. What? like? What? In the,
0: like in The this Gentleman? A- <laughs> Have you seen The Gentleman? I haven't seen it. They've got like loads of underground weed farms down the country do you have to go in to that farm through a hidden tool shed in a (laughs) container
1: so it's in an old air raid shelter so Uh it's um right underground and it's got sensors all over it which are constantly monitoring all of the um humidity the water content everything's controlled remotely so it means we can grow things really efficiently so it's Uh, you can have a harvest every 10 days in this place every 10 days (laughs) because it's been fully optimised
0: this is great and they have a digital twin no 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 think of it differently rather than we immediately jump to it being negatively think of it like no this is fucking great this could help change the world
1: yeah because the the carbon footprint of this can be completely zero because you can you can power it with just uh, renewable energy and then to transport that food to cities it's just go above ground so it's a zero carbon option for food production that doesn't mean you have to use huge swathes of land huge amounts of pesticides so no pesticides are used in this, in this underground farm, for example. So there's a digital version of this farm, which is like a simulation version of it. From that, you can do experiments. You can see what happens when there's a really hot day. What, what should we change to make sure that it functions correctly? So these kind of digital twins are really helpful for looking at complicated problems. So they get used for things like pollution in London and similar as well. So by having these really advanced sensors, we can, we can control uh, the conditions of this farm to make it super efficient. And that's really useful for the growing needs of the population. And the whole thing is um, no soil. There's um, so no soil. There's no soil.
0: So, you know, like when you grow your cress on a little <laughs> yeah. bit of oh, tissue? A bit of kitchen. A bit stuff. like that, exactly. I guess it's a bit like that. I mean, yeah. that's a really fucking <laughs> basic version that I've just compared the brand new next farm.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great way of having urban farms, basically. So where humans actually live, you can actually grow food.
0: Could a computer edit this podcast?
1: <laughs> what What's involved with editing? <laughs>
0: Steve? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the C-bomb's not going to make it. We need to invent some sort of AI.
1: So yeah, that could be done automated. So it could translate everything you've done into text and then search for specific swear words and then go back to the the, the actual sound part and clip it out. Or put like a beep over the top or something.
0: So what you're saying is Mm. we could make Steve redundant. You swap Steve for a computer. But But I really like Steve and I think a computer (laughs) would be less I think you'd still need
1: a person because they'd still have to they'd still have to run it and decide whether things were false positives or something so it wasn't actually the C-bomb it was something else shit
0: Steve so, you've still yeah. got the job mate but it
1: might it might speed things up for you um, so it might be that you can quickly find all the swear words rather than having to search the whole thing or listen to the whole thing I think that's what we'll see more and more these, these kind of tasks getting sped up for us
0: Lydia have you got anything else that you would like to talk about <laughs> because I haven't got any more questions mm-hmm. Tom have you got any more questions I've got so
2: many questions in my head but I'm going to need to just think about them for a
0: while okay. <laughs> but if there's anything mm-hmm. else Specifically, that you want to talk about, then go ahead. If not, I'll attempt to wrap it up.
1: So, I guess there is a kind of knee jerk reaction of everything is terrifying and scary, and I think that's yeah, I think that's an easy route to go down. But I think we can see the good that technology does in the world, and it's why we 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 have to, don't we? Yeah,
0: otherwise, what's the point in developing it?
1: Exactly, it's
0: good, these developments are good. Look at the medicine developments you get, the the underground farms that you're talking about. The yeah.
1: There's for example, the idea that computers can learn from images could be super scary because you could think, oh my goodness, what could that be used for? But at the same time it could be used for, um so it's already being used for looking at brain scans. So you can find out that people have got dementia years earlier now because computers are better at finding the patterns that a human being would struggle to find. So even though there are bad uses for AI and, and maybe some of these tech companies, you know, maybe we're a bit nervous about what they're up to. There's so many incredibly exciting things that are being used where they are that are going to change the world and make things better for health and for science research and everything. So, yeah, as much as some of this is scary, I think it's the same as anything. Tools can be used for for bad things, but also very exciting things. So what's important is that we continue talking about it and thinking about it and making sure that there's lots of discussion about what should should be allowed to be out there and what maybe should be regulated.
0: Before coming on... um to the show, mm. I was so excited. I was like, "I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this one." And then meeting you, having you talk the way you've spoken to us, I've loved every second of it, <laughs> and it's in fact exceeded my expectations of how this was going to go. So I just want to say a massive thank you for coming in and you're welcome, and telling us all about AI. And it's not and, all scary, and not and scaring us a little bit, but actually making us realise these developments on the whole are, are for good. It's just how we look at it and approach it. So thank you. Definitely.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, if you like
2: the show as much as Joe and I, and you would like to support it, you can now subscribe Apple, Spotify and Patreon. For just a pound a week, you can get bonus content, add free episodes,
0: and you will be growing the show at the same time. And if you want some official show socks, click the link in the episode description now.
2: And if you would like another podcast to listen to, in the meantime, let us recommend to you The Secret History of Flight 149. Now, this is pretty amazing, Joe. I know you're a big fan. It's the story of ordinary passengers on a trip from London to Malaysia who were taken hostage by Saddam Hussein when they stopped to refuel in Kuwait. It's an incredible story of undercover operations, of cover-ups, human shields, and a 30-year fight for the truth. You have to listen to their stories. Search for Secret History of Flight 149 in your podcast app
0: now. Who's on next week? We don't know yet. Brilliant. As organised as ever.
2: Crowd Network. A place where you belong.
1: Podcast Network.